0: And I say it not just because, not just because he's my friend, and not just because he's here to hear me, but I'm going to tell you, he is, to me, one of the uh, best preachers that we have in the apostolic ranks right now. I was thinking about it early this morning. What a blessed conference this is to have the caliber of men speaking uh, as we do. I'm telling you, between Brother McKillop, who did an awesome job last night, and uh, yes he did, and uh, then Brother Bo, who you'll hear in just a little while, and Brother Burgess, Uh, these three men, and, and I say this, this is not flattery. This is really the way I feel about it. They are three of the most brilliant minds at Pentecost. Yeah, they really are. But, but I, I want to tell you, to me, this is, this is what is so important, young people. And I, I, I do not want to in any way ever discount the importance and the necessity of education. I do believe it's, it is vital to us. But I'm going to tell you, here is what I've been telling folks. I don't ever want my level of education To surpass my level of spirituality. Well, hallelujah. Because the moment, the moment that my education outweighs my spirituality, that education is going to take me down a path of carnality and away from the things of God. Amen. So I want to always make sure that my spirituality is supreme above my education. And uh, these men are well-educated. These men are, are highly intellectual. And uh, I, I tell you, I get around them, and they get to talking about the books they read, and I just remain quiet because somehow hop on pop just doesn't fit into the category of what they're discussing. Um, but, but these are brilliant men, but they're not only brilliant men. They're men that know how to walk in the Spirit, and that is so crucial in this hour. Amen. I want Brother Burgess to come. I love this man dearly. love his family. He's doing a tremendous job in Colorado Springs. And uh, amen. Amen. Bishop Johnson has been a friend of mine and a mentor for many, many years. And I'm going to tell you, he could not have found a better man to step in to that situation and, and take the reins than the man that he found it was a God thing God did it God put it together and I want to say along with everyone else that has has mentioned this in spite of all the tragedy that has affected and impacted this conference I believe the will of God is being done amen I believe these men are hearing from God and they are the men God wants us to hear I have no doubt in my mind that Brother Burgess has a word from the Lord for us this morning. And I want to receive it. How about you? Why don't we lift our hands and ask God to talk to us right now as the preacher comes. Brother Burgess, come. So let's worship the
1: Lord. Hallelujah. Let's call on his name. God, we need you today. We worship you, Jesus. you Jesus, I praise you God, hallelujah Jesus, hallelujah Jesus, praise God, amen, you can be seated, I'm certainly not worthy of the introduction my friend just gave me. Matter of fact, I'd be embarrassed, except I told you he was one of my best friends, and so uh he's he's uh he's just helping me out doing me a little favor, um, trying to make me feel better about myself because he knows what spot I'm in. and my wife, my very kind and beautiful wife, helped me out this morning and uh I, and I want to say I love and appreciate my family, my three boys. Uh, and my wife are here with me. Uh, well, my my two sons and my one grandson. <laughs> the last Winter Heritage I was at when I checked in, I had Jordan in my arms, and the lady uh, at the desk said, uh, is this your first grandchild? <laughs> she was just trying to be very nice. Um, but anyway, my my and my wife is going to be doing the choir this evening at 5:30. And so you be here, Sister Joan, at 5. Uh that's my wife, back it up 30 minutes. She's going to work you harder. <laughs> um, we uh we said when we got here, I said, "Brother Calhoun, I'm here to help y'all, be willing to help." This is not what I meant. <laughs> and uh so this morning I was uh, saying something to my wife. I was not complaining, but I was saying something about being in this spot. And she said, oh, yeah, I know you must be nervous because that is a spot. She said, taking Bishop Johnson's place and then having to preach right in front of Brother Bo. She said, I'd be nervous as I could be. I said, thanks. I really had tried to talk myself out of being nervous. (laughs) yeah but that's what encouragers are for. Amen. And then I thank the Lord for my sons because I got a little inspiration from my middle son this morning as well, and uh, I needed some inspiration because I couldn't find my iPad and uh, uh, my this the church that I am privileged to pastor they they so wonderfully surprised me. Not too long ago on Father's Day. And gave me an iPad. And uh, I know Paul said. When he said come. Told Timothy said come. He said please bring the parchments. And One of these days you know. We may be telling our grandchildren. Come see me. And please bring the old antiquated iPad. With you too. <laughs> Times change. But. Um, you know, all this that God has laid on my heart, it kind of all, it kind of all fits together because, uh, I was, I didn't have a sermon on there I wanted to preach, but I, I wanted to look some stuff up. Um, and, uh, so I just, you know what, I just had to go with what God told me and, uh, what little understanding I already have of the scripture. And uh, Brother Riggin has said some things in these opening remarks that uh, I I felt like saying, just go ahead and take a few more minutes and you'll have preached my sermon. And I won't even have to get up there. But there is a heartbeat that I am feeling in the Holy Ghost. And uh, I don't want to take a long time this morning. Matter of fact, Brother Epley called me this morning. Uh, they chartered a bus, and so they had to tell their bus driver what time to be kind of looking for them. Uh, so he wanted to know about what time day services usually end. And first, I said, "Well, I got about a two-hour sermon myself." I was just teasing. I said, "No, really, I only had a banana this morning, so that didn't give me a whole lot of strength, and I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hungry." And so Brother Epley said, well, tell Brother Bo not to eat anything either, and we'll be all right. <laughs> so he didn't. <laughs> and my, my middle son was standing there, and he said, yeah, Daddy, he said, preach short. He said, and don't testify. <laughs> he said, because when you testify, it turns into a sermon. <laughs> Oh, amen. Well, anyway, I love being around young people, and I love uh, being at at Winter Heritage and Summer Heritage, and uh, we, uh, Brother Johnson, had this burden a long time ago, and he still is the direction giver for these conferences, both of these conferences, and he has not officially been a member of uh, this committee, but but uh, I think any and all of them would tell you that Brother Johnson's where we receive our, our direction in what we want to do uh, in these meetings. And um, we invite you, of course, we'll tell you more about it. We want you to come to, to Heritage this next summer. It's uh, the third full week of July, which would put it around the 22nd, 3rd, somewhat. We'll tell you all those dates. We want you to be there. I know Brother Johnson's already been lining up speakers, and one thing about Brother Johnson—he he wants somebody that'll come in and walk in the Holy Ghost. And these two conferences have been blessed by some incredible services, powerful services, not 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 beautifully orchestrated programs. Powerful services, and if you if you want to get. Out of heritage, what heritage is about? Then you need to get er, get there early, get near the front, be a part of the altar service, because that's it. That's what it's all about. That's all we want. Amen. Amen. So, I borrowed a uh, some papers that my son, my youngest son's already anointed with much scribbling, and. I wrote down some scriptures I want us to go to. And we're going to start out in the book of Jeremiah chapter 35. Jeremiah chapter 35. And we will, I'm going to, I'm going to do like Brother McKillop. I'm going to venture into the book of Revelations in a few minutes. But I'm going to stick with something that, we all pretty much know the interpretation of anyway, because I'm not a prophecy scholar. Um, and then we've got a lot of scriptures to go to. Amen. Chapter 35 of the book of Jeremiah. And uh, it's a, Jeremiah's writing, you know, he's the weeping prophet. He's the prophet that walked through the ruins of the temple in Jerusalem and wept over what had happened because of Israel's apostasy, Judah's apostasy, their their backsliding, their loose, carnal, sinful ways, their idolatry, and uh, in the midst of all this, though, he discovered a people, and uh, I'm going to read to you a little bit about them, and then what we'll have to do is go back and learn a little more about them, and we'll read with verse 17, therefore, Thus saith the Lord God of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I will bring upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the evil that I have pronounced against them because I have spoken unto them, but they have not heard. And I have called unto them, but they have not answered if that is ever a fitting description of the day we live in. And Jeremiah said unto the house of the Rechabites, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because ye have obeyed the commandment of Jonadab your father, and kept all his precepts, and done according unto all that he hath commanded you, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall not want a man to stand before me forever. And in the King James English, this beautiful, beautiful and high English We would probably say it differently. We would say, and Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack to have a man stand before me forever. He shall not want a man to stand before me forever. We're going to learn a little something about the Rechabites. And uh, I'll give you my title in just a moment. But I want us to pray and ask the Lord to help us this morning. Amen. I need God's help. I need the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Let's pray. God, we need you today. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Jacob, my son that I was telling you about, telling me to preach short. He's the comedian of our family, and he also notices things that are amusing, and so I don't want to embarrass anybody or whoever this might be, but um, although uh, Jacob is a little younger than most of the youth group, young people that we brought, I had let him stay up a little while and uh, kind of visit in the lobby with all the others, and uh, so he overheard a little conversation that amused him and uh so i don't want to get too specific because somebody might figure out who i was talking to and maybe the person that said it might know so it's not it really it really just brought something to my mind that i want to use this morning and uh it had to do with um uh just maybe um exchange of information this that and the other and this person was telling somebody uh, what to expect and uh, they summed it up by saying after telling them kind of what to expect they said that's just how I roll now that is that kind of that's a that's a uh, one of the new you know you it's hard to keep up with with uh, all the phrases and all the things that young people use. Um, is that one outdated, or is that one that you use these days? That's just how I roll. And I don't know if it goes back to 9-11 where they said, let's roll. I've been saying, let's roll for a long time. And so I know that one's common. That was back in my day. And uh, I think it, ha- it was kind of developed by those that finally got off of horses and had wheels and so when we got ready to go somewhere, we said, let's roll. <laughs> well, you know, y- you don't have the same appreciation for what wheels really are. You've been on wheels all your life. And, uh, and what, what's new to you is some of these gadgets that I, we can't even figure out, but you, you know all that stuff about it. But uh, you go back to some of these antiquated expressions, and so you're reusing them. And that's, uh, that's just how I roll. And, uh, you know, that is an expression that means that's just the way we do things. That's just how we roll around here. It doesn't mean how, you know, the, the actual literal wheel rolls. It just means that's just, that's just the way we do business. That's just the way it works. You want to, you know, you want to hang out with me? You know, this is just the way I roll. And, uh, you know, we all got things about us that this is just the way we roll. If I have to wear a tie and a suit and all that stuff when I go to church, but if I'm not going to church, you probably find me in a pair of blue jeans. That's just the way I roll. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, uh, if, I get a, if I get a spare minute, uh, my favorite thing to do is get in a book. I'm a bookworm. I like to read. It's just the way I roll. And if you, uh, if you, uh, you know, um, if you're going to be my friend, want to be around me or whatever, there's certain things you just kind of got to put up with because that's just the way I roll. And uh, I'm sure there's things about you. There's, there's things about the way this generation rolls that I don't understand. Um, you know, I, I, I never have figured out I can figure out a little bit about what's behind most fads, but I never have understood how this generation rolls with baggy, sagging britches. <laughs> now, that's just, I'm, you know. That's just mean. and I've, you know, I mean, I when I was a young person, I, you know, if they come out with, if people wore. Boater shoes, boat shoes, whatever you call them, topsiders. you know, but I wore those too. I mean, they were not uncomfortable. They were nice shoes. They were, they worked. And uh, when Nike, you know, when that was about the only kind of tennis shoe you could see anymore because, man, that was the big deal. Uh, I wore some Nike tennis shoes and, you know, I, I. but I just don't understand having to walk around like this. I don't, that don't make sense to me. I don't roll that way. Now, I like, I like blue jeans because they're comfortable. I like to be comfortable. I don't like to be uncomfortable. And to me, that'd be the most uncomfortable thing. It's what I don't get. I'm not even, I'm preaching. I hadn't even got to my message. What I don't understand is girls want splits in their skirt because they say we can't walk very well. And the guys of this generation want a belt wrapped around their thighs. That's about where their britches come to, so they have to walk like this. You know, I don't. Under, maybe they've switched roles. I don't understand it. That ain't the way I roll. But you know, there's just some things. If you're gonna be part of God's church, you just got to get with His program. Cause God don't just roll any old which way. I tell you the wheel that's in the middle of the wheel, God's fiery chariot that carries the prophet friend, it only rolls one way. If you want to get something from God, you better learn His way as quickly as you can. Because the generation we live in, you don't need to be one minute without God. You don't need to be one minute outside of the anointing. We need to find out which way God's going, and we need to get right in the middle of it. Hallelujah, Jesus. Amen. Now, now where I read to you was a very particular situation. And uh, you see how prepared I am. I didn't bring a handkerchief with me. I started, as hot as it was in here last night, I started to bring a hand towel over from the hotel. And I thought, you know, that would be real good. Conference preacher arrested for for, uh, stealing towels out of the hotel. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, you just bear with me. Um, This situation that they found themselves in is so much like where we are today. And I'm going to read to you in the book of Revelations, chapter three. There was a time, and the Lord stirred me up about this time uh, here not too long ago. I hadn't even, you know, I I haven't gone back and looked at it till the Lord quickened it to me uh, this morning. But in Revelations, chapter three, now I don't know what you believe about the the seven churches of Asia. There's a lot of lot of different things that. Uh, People believe, and, and you don't have to be somebody who is a strict dispensationalist or anything like that to believe or understand that these seven literal churches of Asia also represent some attitudes and spirits that can dominate church ages or times or spans of time. You don't have to try to figure out some literal order and, well, this, that, and the other. You just understand there's just certain times uh, that that there's a different effect brought about by the spirits of the world putting tension on the church. And there are times that there's literal persecution. There's times that there's spiritual persecution. There's, there's times that the church is... Uh, uh, has no trouble in this area but the fight's over here and then it changes and it moves and that's why it's so important to stay tuned in to the Spirit because the Spirit's got some things to say to the church and he that hath an ear needs to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. But I just believe there's enough other prophecy about the end times and the times that we live in that I believe we are in a time of Laodicea Laodicea is a time of apostasy a time of falling away a time of backsliding and Paul said that the end times would be that way I'll probably read some of that in a little bit but uh, uh, he also said that there would be before the day of the Lord comes, there would be a great falling away. We can look at Israel and know that Israel would do good for a while then there would be a time of backsliding and, and uh, even even if, even if the Lord tarries 5,000 more years and, and delays his coming uh, in our time in the last few generations in, in the revival of oneness Pentecostalism in North America we have seen our day of fire everywhere holiness everywhere but we have reached a day where the church overall we still got a form of godliness, but we're losing the power. You let me let me set the stage and not think I'm running you down or the church you're in down. I, I'm talking about in general. We've lost the edge. We've lost the fervor. There is a backsliding. There is an enamored attitude towards a love for the world and idolatry of this world. Things that our forefathers preach against, uh, and we're f- so fascinated by it, it dominates our time, it robs us of power and anointing. I do believe that the message to Laodicea fits our day. He said unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, write, these things saith the amen. Amen. The faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. That's the spirit that's trying to dominate the church today. The Laodicean spirit. Oh yeah. It is. You just think how hard it is for you to get to the prayer room. You think how hard it is for you to stay disentangle from things that just numb you to a move of the Holy Ghost. How many times do you have to fight coming into church service and you can tell God's trying to move but your mind is so cluttered with everything uh, uh, from worldly music to sports scores and who's going to the Super Bowl and who's going to win the World Series and and all the stuff you're picking up at school and all the things uh, that are numbing you to a move of God. We are fighting the spirit of laying We are in the day of Laodicea. Amen. And Paul said of that day uh, when he was writing his last letter, his the second Timothy. He was writing to Timothy. He was wanting to tell him some things. He was leaving the church, all the churches he had formed. He was leaving them in the hands of Timothy. He was leaving his mantle with Timothy. And he said, I want to warn you, Timothy, about a time to come. Paul didn't know when it was coming. He just knew it was coming. He knew it was beyond his day. As much as he had fought, as many perils as he had been in, as much opposition and persecution as he had fought, he was worried about the last days. Man, brother Riggan, would you come help me read? I may need some help for this is over with. This, no, also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now, Paul had more perils. You know, he listed all the perils he was in at one time. And I sit there and scratch my head and think I hadn't been through a tenth of what he's been through perils of this, perils of the deep, perils of his own countrymen, perils, perils. He, he had so many perils, and we look at all of the things. He was imprisoned probably uh, twice in Rome. He was beaten. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was left for dead. So many things happened to him, and he said, you know, I look at this, and I know what all I've been through, but I need to warn you about a day to come. In the last days, perilous times shall come. There's a difference in perils and perilous times. Paul was in perils, but I'm telling you, his mission was never in jeopardy. But he said, I want to warn you of a time that the church is going to be in jeopardy. I want to warn you of a time where there is a strong enough spirit come in in an entirely different way that it will threaten to derail apostolic revival and turn the church upside down. Amen, Amen. I want Brother Riggin to read some of this This describes the day that Paul was talking about And I'm telling you, we're living smack dab in the middle of it Right in the middle of it Amen, 2 Timothy chapter 3, let's go to verse 2
0: For men shall be lovers of their own selves Covetous, boasters, proud,
1: blasphemers Disobedient to parents. Hold on, hold on. Disobedient to parents. Uh I'm gonna tell you, you're looking for some little markers to see if we fit that description. You don't have to go any further. I've never seen a day, and you know how this way parents have answered this spiritual attack. I'm gonna tell you when when kids don't want to listen to their parents on such a widespread. You need to understand that's a spirit of the day. That's, they're under the effect of it. Somebody's gonna have to help them fight it. The answer is not becoming their best buddy and pretending like you condone it. You know, I've, I've been around people that had obnoxious little dogs. You go see them, and they're gonna jump all over you, and 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 everything else, and 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 all this, and. And, you know, the, the deal is the owner can't control it, so he pretends he likes it. He smiles and says Isn't he so cute, jumping on your lap like the inside. He said, I wish I could say stay, and that dog would stay. But I got sense enough, no, I've said stay a lot of times, and he didn't stay. So I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm just going to pretend I condone it. I see some kids the way they're dressed, and I hope the parents are not condoning it. But I guess they just, they, they've said change clothes so many times, and it didn't happen. They just give up. They just pretend like they like it. That's not the answer. Our young people today are just as good and with just as much potential as there's ever been. But somebody needs to realize they're fighting a spirit you didn't have to fight. They are in an age where there is a demonic force of disobedience and it's working against them and they need our prayers. They need the kind of anointing and services that will break through that stronghold and give them a fighting chance. Amen, I'm telling you, we got a spirit of fighting against the young people. They don't respect, they don't honor their mother and daddy. And I'll tell you this, a lot of times a ministry is not fighting that spirit, we're feeding that spirit. Because I hear my generation, my generation of preachers don't want to wait for respect they don't want to earn respect they want to demand it. Who is that old fogy elder to tell me anything? I, does he not know who I am? Ain't no man with an eighth grade education going to tell me how to, how to properly divide the word. I done been to school. I tell you what you need to go to school with, uh, you need to go to school with the Holy Ghost uh, and let him teach you there's a spirit we got to fight uh, and it's affecting our young people. If I want to breed rebellion in a youth group and see sin turn them upside down, then I can just go ahead and feel it. And I can thumb my nose at all of the old fogey generation that went before me if I want to. But I've got a revelation that it's a spirit we're fighting and somebody needs to fight it i tell you what my generation needs to do. We need to go wash the feet of our elders and say, lay your hand on my head. I need the anointing and the blessing of an apostolic generation that knew how to pray down revival, that knew how to have church. Because we're laboring in vineyards we didn't plant. We're living in houses we didn't build. And I'm telling you, it ain't no time to go around starting to poke fun at the credentials of the builders and the planners. I'm telling you, what we need to understand is God blessed it. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. Sit down. Read just a little more. They'll see this is right where we are. Get down to verse 5 by the time we're through. Start in verse
0: 5. All right. Unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors. Heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness. Having a
1: form. Having a form. A of forms. It didn't say having godliness. No. You don't have godliness without power. It said having a form of godliness. Uh-huh. But what? But denying the power thereof. But denying the power thereof. You know what that describes? It's somebody that said, "I'm gonna still, I'm gonna still leave the same name on the door. I'm gonna still maybe look most ways the same. We're still gonna sing some of the same songs, but we deny that godliness brings power." We'll get our power some other way. We'll get our power through our our degree. We'll get our power through our persuasive influence. We'll get our power through our enticing words of men's wisdom. But we deny that just godly living is blessed and anointed of God. I'm telling you, godliness, a purity of heart, a prayer life, a consecration, that's where the power is. This generation wants to deny. It, but you can't deny it. It's been proven. Woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Let's back up, Brother Reagan. I want us to go back. Right. I want you to learn a little something real quick about these Rechabites. We, we, let's go to uh, 2 Kings chapter 9. Just give you a little quick background. Of who these Rechabites are. Read a few verses there beginning at verse 1. I want to kind of set the stage. This was a time and this was a day when, uh, when Israel. There had been a, a, a succession of prophets. There had been a progression. Elijah Elisha, trying to bring revival to a revival-less time. Through a, to a time of apostasy. To a, to a Laodicean time time of idolatry. You know Ahab, Jezebel, all that kind of stuff that had killed any move of God. Anybody that bowed a knee to God had to hide out in caves until finally Elijah said, I don't know about the rest of you, I'm not planning on hiding in a uh, a cave. Uh, My God's bigger than all this. Uh Matter of fact, I believe I can pray and God will stop the rain and it'll get somebody's attention and he did it. But Elijah thought he could get it done in his time. I'm going to tell you, some things are bigger than any one man. I don't care how great of a prophet he is. God had to reveal to him. You know, it's not just going to end with you, Elijah. We got we building this thing, and, and 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 Elijah's got to lay his mantle on Elisha, and it ain't even going to end with Elisha. There's there's going to be a day when a king is going to be anointed. There's something he's got to do as well. It, it's not just the preaching, but there's got to be somebody willing to pull out a sword and do what the preacher says. Got to be somebody willing to put wheels on the word. Put feet to the word. Put a sword in your hand and fight the devil according to the word of God. Amen. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 9. Start reading there about, I guess, verse 1. And Elisha the prophet
0: called one of the children of the prophets and said unto him, Gird up thy loins and take this box of oil in thine hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. When thou comest thither, look out there, Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshi, and go in and make him arise up from among his brethren and carry him to an inner chamber. Then take the box of oil and pour it on his head and say, Thus saith the Lord, I have anointed thee king over Israel. Then open the door and flee and tarry not.
1: Tarry not. You want to know why Elisha told that young man? He said, I want you to go anoint him. And as soon as that last drop hits, you better cut and run. Yep. Get out of the way. Right. You want to know why? Because God said, I've been looking. I've been finding me a man that is ready to go to work. All right. He's ready to fight the devil. Uh-huh. He's just waiting on the anointing. Yeah. All he's waiting on is for me to say go. And when you pour that oil on his head, you've you got to understand he's going to be driving furiously. He already had a reputation for driving furiously. They looked out and said, that looks like J.U.'s chariot because he's breaking the speed limit. Uh I've been in little ethical debates with people and they said, you know, you're trying to live holy and godly and Christian and righteous. Why why don't you you break the speed limit? I said, well, you know, I just can't help it. I'm just like J.U. (laughs) I drive Furiously. And I, I just believe God would rather deal with somebody driving furiously than try to get a parked car jump-started. Tell you what he's looking for. Some young people, you may not have much wisdom, but you're full of zeal and ready to go. And you just need God to direct you. You just need God to say something. You know what? You're the, probably the one that gets made fun of, but don't let it bother you. Don't let peer pressure hush you up. No! Oh yes. Amen. And so he started he this this is how Jehu rolls. You want you want to roll with Jehu, you 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 better get ready. Because I'm gonna tell you, Jehu, when he was proclaimed king, he, he he took care of Jehoram, he took care of Ahaziah, he took care of he took care of and Jezebel, you think Jezebel slowed him down? He drove up in the parking lot, and she looked out there and started fluttering her eyelashes at him. He said, you know what? I got sense enough. I ain't going up there and talking to her. You know, there's some battles God didn't intend you to fight. He said, well, if I pray enough, I'll have enough Holy Ghost that I can stand by that girl with her knees shining and... And uh, uh, you know all kind of fluttery eyelashes And her makeup on And her her hair all done up And you know she just flirting and carrying on But I think I got enough Holy Ghost to handle it You know God didn't intend that Holy Ghost to handle that He intended it to give you power To be a witness And if you think God's going to babysit you While you flirt and carry on With the world You got another thought coming You'll get sucked in and pulled apart and ripped apart. You won't have any testimony left. You won't hey, all your dreams will be dashed in the rocks. You need to understand there's only one way to deal with some things. <laughs> J.U. looked up there and said, If there's anybody on my side, throw her down. Because the closest I'm getting to her is my horse's hooves on top of her head. I heard Brother Phil White preaching about that one time. He described it. He said, he said I can just see old J.U. He said when he got through running over her, he just said, back up, horses. We're going to do this one again. Because Jezebel needs to die as dead as a hammer. Oh, yeah. He needs to die as dead as some of our church services. Oh, Yeah. She needs to be gone. They don't need to be enough for her for the dogs to even eat. And there's a Jezebel spirit. You know, you know how these words are. You know, you, they mean a whole lot of different things, and just depending on what you want to preach, you can just pick out one of those definitions. One of the definitions behind the word Jezebel means unmarried. I don't know where they got that. I know she had a very unmarried spirit. She might have been married to Ahab, but she was the boss. He wasn't telling her anything. Amen. That's another indication of this day. The effeminization of men. Uh Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell you, men, God intended you to be the one to stand up and set the direction. You don't need a Jezebel spirit telling you how to live. And if your girlfriend is always wanting you to do it her way, you need to get the guts to look back and say, that ain't the way I roll. You want to hang around here, you're going to learn how we do things. Oh, yes. amen. Amen. I don't, I don't want to offend anybody, and I'm not trying to create any doctrine or anything like this. And my, matter of fact, my daddy prayed through in his great aunt's revival, or his aunt, my great aunt. She was, never was a pastor. She was an evangelist. God has used women. But Paul said, I want, I want to tell you, I, I don't allow women to teach. Now, what he meant was he didn't say, I don't allow women to teach Sunday school. I don't, uh, As a matter of fact, he's the same one said, older women need to teach younger women you really look into that, what he was really saying is he meant meant a teacher as in the one who sets the interpretation. One who can take the scripture and with authority say this is what it means and this is how we are going to apply it. This is the direction we need to go. God has gifted ladies with a wonderful ability to teach. But I'm telling you, men, God called men to set the direction. That's why he put you as the head of the house. And before you get married, you need to make up in your mind you're going to be the head. And I ain't talking about the redneck spirit with a white beater t-shirt on. Says, bless God, woman, you do what I say or I'll slap you upside the head. That ain't no man. I'm talking about the kind of dignity that a gentleman has uh, that can come out of the prayer closet and say, this is how this house is going to roll. This is how we're going to do things around here. Oh, yes. Yes. Amen, amen, amen. So he took care of Jezebel, and and, and he took care of all the princes of Judah. Uh, Ahab had 70 sons. He took care of all them. I'm telling you, he had blood on the sword, and he was riding. Now, all that happened physically. I don't mean for you to go get you a weapons permit and go around shooting sinners. That ain't what we're talking about. Amen, not even shooting Jezebel. I'm talking about taking up the sword of the Spirit. I'm talking about saying, I need some devil blood on the sword of the spirit. I need to fight these things that are fighting my church and my pastor. I need to get a sword in my hand. That's just how we're going to roll around here. Amen. Amen. And so I'm telling you, blood dripping from the sword and Jehu's riding down the road. Give me chapter 10, Brother Regan, verse 15.
0: And when he was departed thence, he lighted on Jehonadab, the son of Rechab, coming to meet him. And he saluted him and said to him, Is thine heart right, as my heart is with thy heart? And Jehonadab answered, It is. If it be, give me thine hand. And he gave him his hand, and he took him up to him in the chariot. And he said, come with me. And he said, come with me. And see my zeal for the Lord. And see
1: my zeal for the Lord. So they made him ride in his chariot. They made him ride in his chariot. Jonadab was there and, and Jehu looked down and said, is your heart with mine? We got the same heartbeat. I got a sword right here. Uh-huh, and anybody that ain't with me is against me. You 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 want to come see my zeal? You think you can ride in this chariot? You can't ride in this chariot if you got a squeamish stomach. Cause we fixing to go kill some more Baal worshippers. We fixing to go eradicate some more of Israel's enemies. Oh yeah! Can you ride? Can you roll with me? Cause this is how I roll. I roll with blood on the sword. I roll under the anointing of the prophet. I roll under the authority of God Almighty. I've been commissioned by God to do a work, and I ain't backing up for nobody. I don't care who you are, John Jonadab. If you're going to ride in my chariot, you got to have zeal for the Lord. If you're going to ride in my chariot, we're going to kill a few Baal worshipers. If you're going to ride in my chariot, we're going to have revival. So Jonadab said, I think I want to roll like Jehu rolls. Oh, yeah. Because I'm going to tell you, if you want to find favor in the midst of Laodicea, that's what I'm preaching to you tonight, today. If you want to find revival in the midst of Laodicea, you got to understand you can't be part of Laodicea. you got to be part of the remnant. you got to be part of the ones that looks around and says, I don't care what the rest of you are doing. Uh, this is how I roll. Oh, yeah. Amen. Amen. I'm going to have to summarize most of the rest of what I was going to say. I was going to have Brother Rig and read quite a bit, but we're just going to jump on. Let, let, let's, if you want to follow me, just skimming through in the book of Jeremiah back in Chapter 35. You wonder how those Rechabites, now you see exactly what happened to them. Right in the midst of Jeremiah prophesying all the doom and the judgments of God on all of, all of God's people. I'm telling you, they were backslidden and the judgments of God were falling right in the midst of them. Somebody got blessed. Right in the midst of that, somebody got a promise from God that, hey, you can stand before me. You got a right to walk into the throne room. You got a right to come and look me face to face. I'm going to tell you what favor that is with God when he says, you can look me in the face. Oh, yeah. I'm going to tell you, it don't impress me if you can see dream, have dreams and see visions. It don't impress me if you can go spooky, spooky, spooky. Your zip code's 39051. I'll tell you what impresses me. You know, Aaron and Miriam, God said, you know, I talk to you in dreams and visions. I give you a little hoo-hoo-hoo every once in a while. He said, but I want you to know that ain't the way I roll with Moses. With him, we speak face-to-face. You, want to be, you can be Aaron, Aaron and Miriam Oh, you want to be, but I'm going to tell you, I want to be somebody that's got enough favor with God that I can walk in there face to face, that I can stand before God. Hear me, young people. You don't need to go with the rest of the crowd. You need the kind of relationship with God that you can have a face to face conversation with Him. You need to be able to stand before God. And the only way you're going to get it is you got to roll like the Rechabites roll. Maybe we ought to title this, Rolling with the Rekabites. Because let me tell you, they're the ones that got blessed. In the middle of all that, I'm telling you, God's heavy hand of judgment was falling. And as it was falling, he said, oh, oh hold on a minute, prophet. Let me tell you about a people. Whether it's time to use them or not, let me tell you. About somebody I I know all you can see is a prophet. All you can see is a backslidden generation. All you can see is idolatry and my judgments. And you're weeping. You're the weeping prophet over what's been lost. But let me tell you who still lives. He said, go get you some wine. Get you some little pots of wine. And, you know, let's dress this up real good. Let's spiritualize it. He said, take them over to the house of God and set it down. Now, you the prophet, and that's a house of God, and you tell him, drink that wine. You know, know, God did this, but he was foretelling the kind of subtle influences that are going to work against the Rechabites. I'm going to tell you, the backslidden Pentecost is, it's gone if it don't wake up. There's so many giving in to the spirit of Leah to say, I'm not even addressing that. I'm talking about those Rechabites. This is what they had to resist. This is what they had to fight. Now, this was God doing it, but the enemy, this is a foretelling of how the enemy's going to do it. He brought that wine in there into the house of God, and that esteemed prophet set it down and said, drink. That's the way the enemy's trying to, he's trying to take all of the anointing and power away from the remnant that winter heritage is and heritage is and the young people in the church is represented by a devotion to God and a consecration and a commitment to this and he comes along and says "Oh, wait, look, it's all spiritualized it's in the house of God it's look at here the names among you are doing it this is oh you know so and so so and so you know you probably heard of him he's doing this and so and so over there you, know, you probably heard of him this is what his church is doing let's just dress it all up and drink 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 And the Rechabites looked back and said, no, thank you. Why did they say that? They said, well, Jonadab said something that we have never forgotten and we have never left. Now, they were called the Rechabites because that was their father. But in the history of the family of Rechab, there was a defining moment. And that defining moment was when Jonadab stepped out and said, You know, I, I, I rode in Jehu's chariot, and I know what needs to happen for me to ride in Jehu's chariot. You see, it don't matter what's going on. It don't matter how bad it gets or how rough it gets. God's always got a plan to have revival. He's always going to anoint somebody to go have revival. And when he does, that somebody's going to need someone to ride in his chariot. And they said, no, we're not drinking that wine because we, we never have drank wine. Matter of fact, we don't even build houses. Uh, we don't plant vineyards. Uh, we don't do any of that kind of stuff. Say chapter and verse. Where'd God ever say you couldn't build a house? Where'd God ever say you couldn't build a, 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 a plant a vineyard? You know, if you're looking for minimums, you just go ahead and keep looking for minimums. If you're looking for loopholes, you just go ahead and keep looking for loopholes. But if you've got enough spiritual discernment to get in that book and see that God wants to have revival and to do it, he needs a different breed. He needs somebody that ain't looking for an easy road. That's not looking for, well, God didn't disallow it, chapter and verse, so I guess I can partake of it. He's looking in the day we live in for some rechabites. I'm going to tell you, I don't care. I don't care if there's justification to go and do this or do that. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is God's looking for a remnant. He's looking for some recabites and say, hey, 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 hey. You can back up if you want to, but I'm looking for more consecration. I'm looking for a deeper commitment. I'm looking for more of a walk with God. Oh, yeah. They lived right by folks that had houses. And all them folks with houses backslid. But the Reekobites didn't. And why not? Because I'll tell you, when John Adab was old, and he was leaning on his walking stick, and he got ready to give them their last little talking to and their last little blessing and all the Jonadabites, all the Rekabites gathered in and gathered around kids and grandkids and great grandkids and all together around the old white haired old man stood there. And he said, let me tell you about the defining moment in my life. I was just a good man minding my own business Serving God, loving God the best of my ability And letting everything else pass me by And one day there was a chariot Came down the road I was grieved with the idolatry But I didn't think I could do anything about it I was just a nobody But when King Jehu came riding down the road He saw little old me and he stopped And he said hey I need some moral support I need somebody that's got the same heartbeat I got Get up in this chariot We gotta go take care of business And he said, I know there'll be another day when idolatry overtakes. I know there'll be another Laodicea. And when that day comes, God's going to raise up somebody. God's going to raise up a prophet. God's going to raise up a king. And when he starts fighting against evil, he's going to be looking for somebody to ride in his chariot. And you don't want to take a chance. You don't want to miss out. I don't want you to even take a little social drink. Because when he comes by, you can't afford to be too tipsy and miss the boat. Don't even build a house. Because the day he rides by, I don't even want you painting the shutters. You need to be able to walk out of there and get in that chariot. Don't you even plant a vineyard. Don't you even plant any crops, because when he rides by, you might be tempted to say, I'll catch up with you next week after I get my bean patch harvested. He said, you need to live every day ready to go. You need to live every day ready to roll when other Jehu comes by. I'm telling you, if you want to be favored of God, if you want to be blessed of God, he's looking for some Rechabites in the midst of Laodicea that says, we are ready. We're not tied down to this world. We're not looking for an easy road. Out. Huh? We're on the front row. Yes. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna tell you. I don't know if you picked up on it, but the devil has fought this meeting. Oh yes. He's yes. fought it. Yes. Brother McKillop, I know it was probably a little tight opening night. I could feel it. Oh, you yes. preached last night. I'm gonna tell you, God spoke through this man. Yes, sir. There were things. I've had people right here from Colorado Springs tell me how directly God spoke to them. Uh, God spoke to my wife. He spoke to our family. I'm going to tell you, there was revelation that came. God came to help somebody. The devil's been a-fighting it. But God sent some men of God here to do battle with the spirit of Laodicea. And when the chariot came rolling by, some of you wasn't ready to get on it. you was looking at your text message. You're just thinking about who you're going to ask out after the service. You had other things on your mind. But there were some down close to the front of this building that said, We came ready to ride. We came looking for Jehu to get in that chariot. And we want to be part of the Rechabites. We want to find favor in the midst of Laodicea. And God is looking for some that will get in that chariot that'll roll with the Rechabites that'll roll when Jehu comes by. Oh God's not pleased with Laodicea just because he foretold it in his word didn't mean that he was pleased with it. God's not pleased with backslidden Pentecost he's not pleased with a lukewarm Pentecost. He said I'll spew it out of my mouth but if you want to find favor there's room for a red hot Rechabite. There's room for somebody that says I don't care how the rest of them do it that ain't how I roll. If you want to get with me, I'm going to be at the front. If you want to get with me, I'm going to be in the prayer room. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Amen. That book of Revelations... Brother Reagan, I want you to get me first, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.21. That, 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 that Laodicean generation. You know, Jesus described it, but I'm glad he didn't. We, we focus on the first part, but we forget that by the end of it, the Lord is saying to a Laodicean generation, to him that overcomes, I'm going to make to sit with me on my throne. You know, there's a lot of other blessings to the overcomers of other churches, other generations there in Revelations uh, but there was only one. He said I'm going to let you sit by me on the throne. Uh, and, don't, and, and in trying to understand what that is I, I think for us it means uh, there's only one kind of people uh, that I'm going to put some authority in. Uh, that I'm going to stand by them with the right hand of power. Uh, that they can be a representative of the throne. Uh, and that's somebody in the midst of a Laodicean generation uh, that'll overcome it. Uh, that'll say I don't care how the rest of them do it. That's not me because he said to them I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire and white raiment that thy might be clothed that the shame of thy nakedness appear not he said you're going to survive this he said I'm going to tell you you better buy some gold that's been tried in the fire you need to get that white raiment that'll clothe the shame of your nakedness let me tell you, in our generation, if you want to be part of the Rechabites and a Laodicean generation, you don't need to be looking for less clothes. You need to be looking for more clothes. Say, so, well, that ain't the style. I know it ain't the style. My goodness, you, you'd have to be blind not to know it's not the style, even in Pentecost. But I'm telling you, while the rest of Pentecost wants to see if they can flirt with the bottom of their kneecap or the middle of their kneecap or whatever, God's looking for somebody's got a spirit of modesty doesn't have to be policed every day, but says, I'm going to cover up. I'm going to cover up and be blessed of God. I want to be anointed of God. There's some things that God will bless. I said, there's some things God will bless. No matter what's going on around you. Read, Brother Regan. Prove all things. Prove all things. That's that tried in the fire. Prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. And hold fast to that which is good. Uh-huh. You know what God gave instructions to the church about? He said, there's everything that you do and everything that you build, and it, it's going to be tried in the fire. And when you find something that's good, you better stick with it. Oh, Rechabite generation, I'm going to tell you this. There are some things that are proven. They are gold. If you want to be a Rechabite in the midst of Laodicea, there's only one way to do it, and that's to go get that gold. Go get that stuff that's been proven, that's been tried in the fire. I really didn't mean to be this long. But you know, the first, first 15 minutes was testifying. <laughs> I'll be through very quickly. I want you, you're going to have to be, your pastor can tell you what the application of this is. But I'm going to tell you, there are some things that have been proven. And God has been working on me all year that it's a time like never to go back and pick up the things that are proven. There's a whole lot of stuff. It's other, maybe other kind of metals, other kinds of things. And and you can sit there and argue all day long that there ain't nothing wrong with this and ain't nothing wrong with that. In the midst of Laodicea, that's not the speculation you need to be in. If you want to be part of the solution and not part of the problem, you need to find the gold that's been tried in the fire. Hold on to that which is good. Hold on to that which is good. I'm going to tell you, God's been stirring me up. This church was built. It wasn't built on education. It wasn't built on any intellectualism. It was built in the brush arbors on praying and fasting and anointing. Oh, yeah, I'm telling you, somebody's got to go back to the tried in the fire stuff. I know not what course others may take, but as for me and my house, this is how we're going to roll I don't know about every other meeting in the world, but I believe I can speak with confidence. Uh, That ain't the way heritage is going to roll. This is the way heritage is going to roll. We're going to go back and find that goal. Try it in the fire. I'm going to tell you this kind of movement, uh, the kind of revival I was born into, it was built on holiness preaching. Uh, It was built on separation from the world. It ain't no time to back up from it. I'm telling you, I am living in a house I didn't build. I'm working in a vineyard I didn't plant. And the man that planted it loved holiness. Young people, there'll be a day when you'll be up here. You'll be the ones leading the way. I'll tell you, you better not ever disdain the things that went before us. You better get gold tried in the fire. I tell you, a lot of this stuff we experiment with, it ain't been tried. It ain't been proven. David looked at those weapons. He said, you know what? I had not proven them. Just give me what I have proven. He laid down a shiny suit of armor, the best sword in the land. You know, the king had the best of everything. He looked at all that, and he said, you know, you go ahead and do what you want to with it. But it looks to me like all it ever got you was a bush to hide behind. Uh-huh. He said, You may not think much of this old slingshot I got. You might not think much of these old rocks I got, but they've been proven. Uh huh. You may not think much of this old holiness preaching, but it's been proven. You might not think much of separation from the world, but it's been proven. You might not think much of loyalty to your church and loyalty to your pastor, but it's been proven. You dig in, and you love God, and you back your pastor, and you'll be a Reekabite in the midst of a Laodicean generation. Oh, yes. Amen. I, I, I love reading. I love knowledge. I love learning. Matter of fact, in another life, I, 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 what I'd most enjoyed doing probably was being a history professor. I love it. It draws me in. And, uh, and so I, I got to, I was actually working toward a master's degree and was a long way into it. Uh, spent a lot of money and a lot of time. I was going to one of the more prestigious seminaries or, or working with them. And uh, they, had, they had a lot of good stuff. Man, I'm telling you, it, it, was, it was a lot of deep stuff, a lot of things. I just, well, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't shaking my beliefs. I, I, I you know, I was spitting out the bones, whatever you say, eating the chicken, spitting out the bones. I wasn't, I wasn't worried about that. But there was a time this year when it was time to sign up for the next course. And God smote me. He didn't smoke me, smite me with anti-education. He smoked my heart. And he said, You know, you've been telling me you want revival. You've been telling me you want to see souls pray through to the Holy Ghost. You've been telling me. Brother Epley came by and preached a revival for us, and, and I it, it ignited something in me that, that that was still going on. That was what I was talking to God about. Brother Epley preached about. Many things that God did in the spirit and, you know, the walking by faith and seeing miracles and seeing people get the Holy Ghost. And, you know, ever since that revival, I've been praying, God, that's what I want. God, that's what I want. God, that's what I want. And God smote me and said, you know, if this is truly what you want, why are you wasting time on things That won't bring it. He didn't say things that are just an absolute emptiness. He didn't say things that just they're foolish. He didn't say. He just said, "If you if that's what you really want, there's things that have been tried and proven, and the time you're spending doing papers and time you're spending all this stuff." He said, "What about devoting some of that to prayer?" fasting, start preaching and you'll get what you preach you don't have to come up with a fancy new revelation every time you get. A, and I'll tell you, God so got a hold of me I pushed that back and said I'm done I start praying God if you'll just help me and I start preaching simple stuff Acts 2.38 Calvary i 'm telling you I, I, I preached Calvary every Sunday I preached holy Ghost i preached I preached a move of god say so how do you how do you preach about a move of God? Tell me the theological discourse no I, it wasn't that. I just preached we can have the Holy Ghost. we can have a move of God. God wants to honor you god 's going we got to the end of the year and I was writing a little letter for all the church and I was I was thinking things I wanted to say and and, and you know it struck me I I was saying and 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 thank the Lord for the new faces, the new people that God's filled with the Holy Ghost. And they they not just that they filled with the Holy Ghost and they walked out the door but they bought into this. They want to be a part of it. They want to be a witness. And I got to looking back and I thought, "You know what?" I wasn't really charting this deal, but ever since I made that commitment to go back to what was tried in the fire, God stepped up and said, All right, that's how I roll. Let's have church. People started praying through to the Holy Ghost. We got people in the altar every weekend hungry for the Holy Ghost. So now you want to meet me after church and say, who'd you have come by? What program did they tell you about? What seminar? What outreach and, what outreach tool and gimmick did you get? Well, oh, i got to learn about this. Uh, uh, nothing. And we do outreach every week. But it's still the same way we've always done it. We didn't find a new gimmick. We didn't find a new way. It's still the same thing. But the difference was who was doing the same thing. The difference is, somebody said, hey, there's gold that's been tried in the fire. And God's looking for somebody in the midst of a Laodicean generation to put his favor on. And to put his anointing on it. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. If you'd stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank I've gone long, much longer than I wanted to. And I, I, I'm not... I'm not going to give the altar call. Uh, I feel like as we're ending it on this spirit, I won't. I, I know Brother Bo has a word from the Lord from us, for us. But let me just tell you, I don't know if you some some of the nights around the altar at Summer Heritage, I've had some of you pastors testify it too. Has been some of the most intense, powerful services I've ever been in. Some of these Winter Heritage services have been some of the most intense and powerful. There's a reason why this crowd gathers. Right in the midst of the holidays and time off school, you come to have church. You know why? Because God's put his blessing and his favor there. And it draws. It's not our advertising abilities. Matter of fact, we still, there's people here that have been here every year that still have never gotten a flyer. I apologize. But you know, it's the move of God. And you come, you, you, you come, you, we say we come because it's a safe place. Well, you know, it, it, that doesn't mean it's a place where everybody that comes always perfectly lines up. No, even in a safe place, there's room for those that need to hear They they need to know there's more They need to know that there's a deeper level of consecration They need to know maybe that they've been a little bit on the wrong road Uh, But I'll tell you why the favor of God has been here It's because of the commitment that started in the heart of Brother Johnson That said we will build this on God's plan And God's plan is preaching That's the way God rolls That's why we can have church the way we do That's why there's such intensity That's why there's such power Because we said no trappings, just good old fashioned Holy Ghost, and let me tell you here and now, that's the way it'll always roll at Heritage. It's always gonna be God's way. It's always gonna be when a man's invited to preach, he's gonna preach. We're not telling him what to preach. There's nothing off limits that's in this book. Preacher, preach to us, give it to us straight, give it all to us. Because that's what God blesses. It's the church we were born into. It's what I want to keep. Amen, 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 amen. Lord bless you today. And if I have said anything that offends you, I apologize. But that's just the way we roll. Oh yeah. And if heritage is a little much for you, we're sorry you feel that way, but that's just the way it rolls. We're gonna come try to have a move of God every service. I said we're gonna try to have a move of God every service. We're gonna have prayer before church. We're gonna have worship. I said we're gonna have worship. You're not ever gonna be intimidated to worship. Uh, Or against worship. We're going to worship. We're going to worship. There's going to be holiness preaching. There's going to be consecration preaching. There's going to be Holy Ghost preaching. There's going to be revival preaching. There's going to be outreach preaching. Because that's just the way it's going to be. And it will find favor with God. Let's love him one more time.